You're listening to Tech Talk Central. This is Vicky Kolovo for Tech Talk Central, and I will be speaking with uh, Spiros Raptis. He's a principal researcher at the Athena Innovation Research Center at the Institute for Language and Speech Processing. He also has a special position. He serves as vice president at the research center, and which I, I hear he has a lot of duties there. Hi, Spiros. Hello. Nice to be here. Great. So um, he, he, you have a degree in electrical and computer engineering, from what I know, and a doctor's de- de- degree in computational intelligence. So obviously you've heard a lot about speech-to-text, but what I've learned recently is that is completely basic. That's been done, that's old news, and they're trying to do new stuff right now. So his main field is speech and signal processing. So tell us a few things about what that entails and what you as a researcher have accomplished up to now. Okay. Uh, so, yes, uh, to take it up from where you left it, uh, text-to-speech is a uh, mainstream now. You can find it everywhere in your, uh, on your mobile phone, uh, used by your virtual assistants, and throughout the web also. But uh, from the researcher's point of view and looking at the future, uh, this thing is not finished yet. So we have um, the machines now can talk, they can convey information and read about the news and so on. But they don't have effect, not yet. Mm-hmm. You, you can't get a relation with the voice coming from uh, a cold voice coming from uh, a computer. Well, I should say not yet, because that's what we're working on. I want to make a, a small clarification, because we it's easy to confuse speech-to-text and text-to-speech. They're two completely different things. I said speech-to-text has been done. Uh, it's not very successful. I've seen stuff like most of the things coming out. We, we've done that with our podcast. We try to create transcripts. It's not perfect, but you can do a lot of things mechanically on that. You're talking the opposite, text-to-speech, and you're doing interesting stuff there. This yeah. is what you said right now. So... I think you're going to go into the subject of sentiment analysis. Have I got that right? Is that what you're implying by finishing? Uh, yeah, I do. Actually, if you want to make a, to create an affective voice, an emotional voice, you first need to know what you're talking about, what is affect, what is emotion, and how that is conveyed through speech. I mean, humans are, are uh, employing various means when they speak to convey uh, expression or emotional state. Uh, through a person's speech, you can understand not only what he is saying, the linguistic content per se, uh, but also uh, if he woke up right this morning, if mm-hmm. something is wrong with his personal life, uh, if he's being severe or he's trying to imply something, all this is coming also through the speech, mm-hmm. not through the linguistic content, but the prosody, what we say the prosody, which is uh, an additional rich channel of information that is uh, transmitted along with the regular speech signal. So you need to, to get a feeling, a touch on, on such matters if you are to develop voices that can create some effect with humans. Mm-hmm. Because humans uh, implicitly, uh, not consciously, uh, they use such information, they code it when they, they speak, but they also decode it when they hear it. Mm-hmm. So I can understand... Uh, uh, a lot of paralinguistic information from your kind of speaking, the way, the, the style or the manner you speak to me, but I can also, and also uh, encode my state of emotion uh, when I 
Uh, talk back to you. So, uh, talking about real-life applications, you did mention before mobile, and obviously everybody comes to mind Siri and how yeah. it talks to us. I've changed. I've actually uh, chosen a male <laughs> voice to talk to me, but I really find it dumb. I think he's dumb. Um, so, emotionally, the only thing is boring me. So, what you're actually saying is conveying feelings. And getting people, it's done seamlessly, obviously, in the background. But voice and how it sounds and what feelings it creates us makes us do things, right? Yeah, that's, that's right. the purpose. What's the purpose? What's why are you doing this? What what do you tell us a few examples of great applications that we can use in the future? Yeah, okay. Let me pick up a few. And uh, to begin with, you, you hear synthetic voice, and you will be hearing more and more in your personal life. Mm -hmm. through your assistants. Mm -hmm. So uh, if you are to interact with a, a synthesized character for a longer and longer time, you need to create some relation of some type. I certainly don't mean any relation at the human level, but uh, um, at least you don't want to be bored, mm -hmm. as you just said. Mm -hmm. You want the, the voice to be interesting, whatever that means. But we got some feelings what an interesting voice is and what it's not. It's not a dummy voice, uh, um, as you just characterized it, it's not a voice that it's flat. It's rich, it has a, a melody. Okay. okay. And these things are, are uh, actual things that you can measure and you can implant into a synthetic voice. So uh, uh, one application is, is this, your personal life and your personal relation with things and your calendar and your notes and your assistants and, and so mm -hmm. on. But also take it to the uh, education. Uh, how would you uh, expect uh, a dummy voice and a rich voice would compare uh, uh, when it comes to saying, teaching Education. a child yeah. something, mm -hmm. teaching something to a child. So uh, most certainly you want to make it fun mm -hmm. and you want to make it interesting. interesting voice, and, yeah. Yes, and this implies... Rich voices, expressive voices, not just voices that are there to convey the information. And that's it makes sense because I, I know they're talking about robots. For example, robots don't have to have a face. But there's a whole thing that they're putting a face and they need expressions to make them human-like. So obviously the language is a, a crucial part of all this. Yeah, and it's, it's very interesting that you are, you are going there, uh, beyond voice, that is. Because uh, when you give a face to something, either it is a virtual character on, on your mobile screen or it's a robot that has a physical substance, mm -hmm. uh, um, you are able, you expect this artificial thing to behave, if I, I may human. say so, in a human-like way. Yeah. So it's, as we were saying before, that the voice encodes much more information. Mm -hmm. Such information is also encoded in the way you move your hands, in the way you express, you body use expression. your face. Yes, mm -hmm. all, yeah. all the, the body language, as we commonly used to say. And so uh, we are now looking at uh, communication, uh, either among humans or between humans and artificial systems in, in a broader sense. It's not just text and speech. Obviously, and oral. obviously, and I think that takes us to something that you really want to announce, and that is um, uh, Behavior Interaction Communication Lab you're setting up. So I think this is, if it's in there, right, you call it Hubic. Um, 
what does uh, what does it include and what's it all about? Yeah. So, yeah. first of all, uh, do, do, can you just tell us a really quick sentence about what the Athena Research Center does since you're vice president there and how does this cubic fit in there? Yeah. Uh, so, the Athena Research Center is a research center that has to do with information technology and computational sciences. Mm-hmm. Uh, uh, in that sense, it's a unique research center. It has three institutes uh, and uh, three units. Mm-hmm. And all the institutes and units are well aligned within this information uh, technology view of uh, science. So we do IT, per se, from the basic research to applied research to application services, spin-offs, startups, mm-hmm. Uh, mm-hmm. all the, the spectrum of mm-hmm. activity. But we also uh, get into uh, other sciences which are benefited from the use of uh, computational methods and tools. So we have computational linguistics, we have computational biology, we have many, many things mm-hmm. that computational science can uh, can very fruitfully uh, support. Uh, support. Yeah. 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 Uh, so that's the, the overall, uh, let's say, the target scope of uh, the Athena Research Center. And uh, uh, below the Athena Research Center is the Institute for Language and Speech Processing. Mm-hmm. Uh, this is where the Cubic Lab will uh, be hosted. Yes. Yeah. Uh, so, what is the Cubic Lab? The Cubic Lab, uh, it comes from the, the abbreviation of uh, uh, Human Behavior, Interaction and Communication Laboratory. And it exactly tries to address all these additional modalities, except from plain speech or plain text, that are, uh, we believe are crucial in understanding, studying, and imitating or synthesizing behaviors, human-like behaviors, mm-hmm. convic- convincing behaviors, affective behaviors, and I mean the kind of behaviors that you want computers to understand when they observe on humans such behaviors. Uh, imagine a computer that can understand uh, your facial expressions, can understand when you're uh, angry, or where your uh, when your attention is focused on what you're doing on your task, or when you need support and assistance. Mm-hmm. I mean, these are things that a human can recognize, can decode from another human's face. Yeah. And I, I think it would be very, very beneficial. It is critical to to enable the machines to also uh, uh, be able to decode some of this information by reading out the human body. Okay, this is this is interesting. Unfortunately, hopefully, we will bring again in the future. You'll tell us more once it's set up. Uh, considering where we are today in Greece and all the crisis and all the stuff we've been hearing, it's nice to hear such a new lab starting out and not everybody being disappointed and just giving up. Um, will will your institution or the Athenaeum General be at Researchers Night, and what will they be showcasing? Got any idea on that? Yeah. So uh, we'll certainly be there. It's an, uh, we think it's an, an important event, and we've uh, supported it the previous years, and we most certainly will support it this year too. I think that uh, research can be one of the interesting things that uh, are mostly needed in such periods, as you just mm-hmm. mentioned. Uh, it is a way out. It is a promise. It is some of the things that can keep Greek people uh, dreaming, mm-hmm. yes, and I do believe that. So we'll most certainly participate to that uh, event uh, through uh, a selection of our most interesting stuff. Um, uh, I'd, 
I'd like to keep some of these as a surprise. Okay. Uh, among which are, if I can say that the Hubic Lab will be ah. strongly present there with some activities. Nice. So uh, I would prefer to keep some of these as a surprise. Yeah, we'll be reporting from there, so we'll say what, what yeah. you find. Um, just to the audience, uh, because they can't see you, you're quite a young gentleman. And you're vice president already, and I have been hearing outside that you've been you're very you're going to be doing a lot of stuff. You're a hard worker, I heard, and um, you'll be doing a lot of stuff to change because there's there's a, a a unique case where in Greece research centers are not exactly connected to universities. They also lack people in marketing or uh, PR or finding funding. We're talking about dedicated people. We, we've already done a few interviews where the, where the conversation is researchers looking to do research, find funding, write reports, and it doesn't really make any sense. And uh, strangely enough, there is hope because we did have a researcher um, just uh, a few hours ago and she mentioned in her interview the words uh, marketing, profit, growth, and... Um, that shocked us, <laughs> to be honest. Um, hopefully, th- I hear that that's what you're t- intending in bringing to Athena also. And okay. do you want to say on that? Is that a yeah, promise? Yeah. Will we see change? Uh, there is change already there. I mean, uh, uh, Athena has been actually the first research center that ever had spin-offs. It, uh, it had a vision through uh, its 10 years or more. Now, when spin-offs were uh, an unknown word in, in the research uh, mm-hmm. society community, here in Greece, yeah. Yeah, community here. And uh, we did have uh, spin-offs 10 years old now. It's not a spin-off. It's not at the state of spin-off if you're 10 years old. But uh, my point is that we rode that wave quite, quite early. And we most certainly uh, uh, invest much more in that and will be investing in the future because we strongly believe not only as a necessity but as a, as a, a point of view that uh, research centers have a special position in the uh, ecosystem of research, education, society and industry. Yep. Uh, research centers uh, uh, can bridge the gap between basic research or labs or things and reports and Mm-hmm. That kind of stuff, with actual things being used every day by people and bringing benefit to end users and bringing growth to to industry and whatever that is for Greece. That, that, that's I think that that's what they should be doing, and I know that's what they're doing abroad. Obviously, it's not all a matter of the research center. The legal status has to be placed there. The processes. Then it's your duty to set up all the processes because, okay, you created spin-offs ten years ago. I agree with you. But you get to pick up on the rate of them being produced every year. And I know you've, the, we've got an ama- amazing talent. That's the truth. I'm not just saying that. We've got a powerful talent. And you can combine people in business with researchers and get things off the ground. So obviously a lot of work has to be done. Yeah, you are, you are very right. I agree with you. And there are uh, the, the terms marketing and viability, economic viability, and uh, user needs and all this stuff and industry are, are not bad words uh, coming from a mouth of a researcher. They are actually conscious words to understand where you stand in this whole ecosystem. I think we should be hearing more and more of these. I think we should realize that a researcher is not necessarily good at all these, and we should give way in our 
community to people that are well well suited to do such things I and agree to, totally. and to and to learn how to work with them which has always traditionally been something difficult especially yeah. for a extremely focused researcher yeah. to 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 sit down and be able to understand other uh, uh, other expert people's views which are not scientists in his strict sense yeah i think it's a matter of collaboration we're not good at that Anyway, so uh, we're going to wrap that up. This is uh, Vicky Kolovo. I was speaking with Spiros Raptis. Thank you for being with us, first of all. Thank you very much for calling here. You're listening to Tech Talk Central.